0: This is the Family Culture Project. As promised, this week we are rebroadcasting a few episodes that lay the foundation on what family culture is and why it matters. Today is a replay of Episode 5 The Benefits of a Clearly Defined Culture.
1: Procrastination, lack of team spirit, and decreased engagement are all signs of a negative culture, both in organizations and family. This often happens when vision and ultimately the culture is not decided ahead of time.
0: Welcome to The Family Culture Project, Episode 5. Today we'll be talking about the benefits of a clearly defined culture and provide you with simple steps to help you decide what you want your family to be known for.
1: So culture is the way that an organization or a family behaves, acts, makes decisions, and problem solve. In our family, there are certain ways that we do things. There are certain things that our kids do not have to ask about. They know it's expected of them, and they know it's what we do. For example, one of them is going to church. They never have to wonder on any given Sunday if we're going to be attending church together.
0: Whether we support each other at... Um, Our different sporting events, musical concerts, award ceremonies. There's just really no question whether we're all going to go.
1: Yeah, unless somebody has a legit conflict, like they have their own sporting event or their own activity that they must attend, we all go together to support one another. Another one is dinner chores. Whether they have a friend over or not, they're expected to do a certain number of chores after dinner. We have a chore chart, and it rotates each week. There's no question of what they're doing or whether or not it's fair or whether or not they, they you know have too much to do. Everybody's expected to do a chore. If one of the kids aren't around, say maybe they're at a sports practice or a school activity, everyone else chips in to make sure that chore gets done.
0: So yeah, I even chip in there sometimes on... on, on. <laughs> on the missing child
1: sometimes, (laughs) but but
0: I really credit you with that one because, um, that, that chart really takes the guesswork out of who's doing what, when, and, you know, just to let our listeners know, you had the kids create the chart. They divided up easy and hard tasks, Mm -hmm. um, and mixed them up pretty nicely. So when they're rotating through it, they're not feeling that feeling of I'm doing more than this person or I'm doing more than her. She's doing more than me.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, so that, that was great.
1: Well, this kind of repetition of whether it's chores, whether it's attending, uh, Church on Sunday or going to each other's activity, that repetition of those small things on a regular basis, that creates culture. These are all clearly defined cultural practices that are at work in our family.
0: In the book, Good to Great, Jim Collins says that in the workplace, people want to be a part of a winning team, contribute to visible tangible results. Feel excitement of being part of something outstanding, something that works, um, something that people need.
1: So how do you see this in the workplace? How do you see employees respond when there's a clearly defined culture?
0: When you have a clearly defined culture, everybody knows their part but they also know the value of their part, right? How that makes the organization come together as one. When you when you have a fine culture that people un- fully understand, it's ingrained within the team, you know, the people are excited, right? The people are excited to be on a team that has, you know, a, a purpose and a, and a set of values and, and they're, they're consistently implemented and delivered, right? So when you go to work, you know why you're there, you know what your purpose is and you're excited about it. You're actually excited about the people, the organization and what you're doing and it's not just then about pay per se, right? Of course pay is always important. We have to pay all pay our bills, but like there's an excitement there over and above that. And you don't get that. You can't just pay away um you know pay somebody to be happy. They're not going to be happy. Um you have to have more than that. You could pay somebody a great salary, but then after six months, if you have a crappy culture, guess what? They're not gonna be that happy. And especially if they came from a company that had a great culture, um and then they come into a company, say they're making a lot more money in that company. But if that culture isn't isn't um well defined and isn't an exciting place to work, people just w- will leave, right? So 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 again, you you get more productivity out of employees. Um, it's it's just a happier place to be. You spend a large portion of your life there, and um, you know you can see the tangible benefits of it. I think the other thing that you can say about different parts of companies, if you see a company that doesn't have the culture defined from the top down, but it has maybe a stronger culture in one area, one say one segment of the business, and you can kind of get that experience or feel that experience, but then you go over to another portion of the same firm. And and you get a completely different experience as a customer. You might say, "Wow, they have it together over here. Over here, they don't, right?" And then you're then you then it 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 pollutes the whole experience for that company rather than having a consistency across the whole organization. That's why culture comes from the top down. And and for families, that's us, the parents. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I can see how that totally relates to families. I mean, we certainly do not pay our kids to be a part of our family. So we need something a little bit better in order to hold their engagement, tie them together and keep them unified and that is and that's culture. It's giving them a sense of purpose beyond just themselves, beyond just getting through the day, going to school, coming home, doing their homework, going to bed and doing it all over again. You know, once we had a clear vision for our family and decided what we wanted to be known for and then started implementing those things into our life, those cultural practices, our kids got excited about Um, The things that we were doing, as we previously mentioned, there's things that they have just come to expect from our family. They know we go to church every Sunday, but now they're really excited about showing up and seeing the people we usually see. They know we expect them to go to sporting events, but now they're each other's biggest fans. Dinner chores. I don't think that they love the dinner chores, but they know what's expected of them and they have pride in their home and their pride in their environment because they through those practices they've just developed an ownership and an excitement that they're part of something bigger than themselves
0: and 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 ultimately you know they're kids they they might complain about it once in a while but they do like the end result they do like Mm -hmm. a tidy house they do like a clean house and they do like a house that's inviting so if somebody shows up unexpectedly at the door you know welcome come on in Mm -hmm. and right because we're you know it's it's
1: because they're practice taking care they're, of.
0: They're practice taking care of the home.
1: You know, another example of this is games. As we mentioned in a previous podcast, that um, our families both enjoy playing games. And so it was a natural fit and progression for us and our family and our children to start to play games together. Um, But once we named it, once we decided that this is something that, yes, we want to continue with our family, how can we do this on purpose? How can we make room for it in our lives? There started to be an excitement that was generated around it. For example, we said, you know, it started with my dad. And then what happened is is that those events that my parents couldn't attend, that we started bringing our own games to the event. One year, Carl and I created um, a Thanksgiving game from scratch and brought it to the family. And we've seen our kids now mimic that behavior. My son Aaron, a few years back when he was only, I don't know, I want to say seven years old, he decided that he was going to make a scavenger hunt yeah, for the next time of- we went to grandma's. And so... He took my phone and he was walking around his grandmother's house and he was just taking pictures of things. And I'm like, buddy, what are you doing? And he said, I'm making a game. So the next time that we was come actually
0: over... awesome, <laughs> that was awesome. I mean, he did such a good job at it, too. You know, he's learned through his through his grandfather mostly and, mm-hmm. and, and, and other things, obviously, through what we're doing. But as it relates to games that that, wow, they're really fun and they're well thought out and mm-hmm. there's a lot of purpose put into them. Yeah. And he put a lot of purpose into that. It's excellence. Do it in excellence. Don't just do um, a lane scavenger hunt.
1: So when he, after he was done taking the pictures and we were back at home, I knew that if I wanted to enforce this idea of culture and, and really support him, reinforce, reinforce this idea of culture, that I needed to make time to help him now print these pictures out and create a a game sheet. Because if I hadn't followed up with him, it would have been like I was saying, yeah, yeah, games are important, buddy. But mm, yeah, well, now nah, I'm not really gonna make time, really for time for it. We don't really yeah. have time for it, yeah. And that that's a contradictory message, and that's something that we don't want to send to our children. And so I I made time, and we I helped him create this game. We printed out sheets, and you know what? The next time we were at the, the house with the cousins. He had his game ready, and it was fun. And then the, his cousins really loved that he created it, and it cre- and our excitement became contagious. Yeah, and as our get, kids get older, it's nice because they kind of have taken the baton, which means a lot less work for us. Um, but in a really positive way, I say that because, um, like for example, this Christmas they ran. They actually ran the games that we played so that i could cook where i used to be the one who was kind of making everything happen the kids were kind of able to say okay we'll handle this mom you handle that and we all pitched in together and it was great you know so what's so great about it now is that the kids really do expect it they're the ones who are saying mom dad what games are we bringing or what are we doing
0: you get to define your family culture It's up to you to determine what are your values and beliefs and also what customs and traditions do you want to have as a family. What are the things that you like doing together that you want to continue to do together? What are the things on that list and how are you going to make the time to make that part of your family culture?
1: A clearly defined family gives children a strong sense of belonging. Every other week, we host Connect Group for our church. Now, officially... Carl and I host the group. However, our kids understand that they have a responsibility, and they're a part of it, too. When we talk amongst ourselves, we say we're hosting Connect Group this evening. We don't tell our kids it's time to clean up because mommy and daddy are having people over. We use the word we. We continue to affirm that we as a family are having people over so that means all of the kids chip in they help out with preparation and if there's children that are coming along with the people that are attending our kids are hanging out with them interacting with them you know hospitality is one of the things that are important to us and our kids even at a young age started to understand what needed to happen in order to pull off an event or to have people over and so from a very young age they know what it's like to set up they know what it's like to have things ready when somebody comes over they know that before we start setting up we want to go around the house we want to tidy up we want to make it welcoming we want to make it comfortable for people to come into our home and so it's just something that they do now
0: Aaron was having um five friends over ahead of going to a birthday celebration you know the first thing Aaron did when he came in the door was like okay guys we got to get ready we've got my friends coming over so i'm going to go up and i'm going to get a shower and a few guys could clean up right so I mean,
1: like,
0: <laughs> you know so and then you know the funny thing about that is we laugh and what we knew what he was talking about right mm-hmm. so we're, we're like, all right we're hosting even though we're hosting five of aaron's friends we're hosting
1: you know and even our daughter ava she volunteered to host her freshman field hockey lunch this year and What I love about it and what this has to do with culture is that as soon as she heard that they needed someone to host an event, she knew that that was something that we would be willing to do and that she wanted to do because she had that sense of identity. She had that sense of belonging. She had that sense that that is what the Amichis do. And of course, when we went up and said, hey, we're willing to do this, one of the other moms was like, of course you are, because that's just what people have come to expect, that we're willing to open our homes, to host these types of events, and to, to have that place In the community where people can gather.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's happened, um, you know, in several occasions throughout the year, whether it was just our daughter volunteering for that with her freshman field hockey team or. Just um, folks within the community asking us to host certain events.
1: And, you know, um, I've mentioned this in previous podcasts. You know, our family's values are not better than anybody else's. So you're going to hear us talk about some things over and over again because it's just what we do. It's who we are. But there may be other things that you do. You may have other gifts and talents and you may have other desires. That you've been uniquely positioned to live out and to use to serve others. And so as we talk about the things that we enjoy to do, we want you to be thinking about what it is that you love to do. You know, whether it's off rep for others or for your own family, certain things that can be counted on.
0: For your family. No, it's awesome. Because like, think about it. You ha- we talked about this last time. You really don't have time not to really define your culture because it really helps guide your choices um, and what you're going to be there for and what you're not going to be there for. so it really it really helps set your agenda. It helps set um, you know what you're rooted in, you know your values or your family, and it helps you make the choices of yes, this is what we want to do, this is what we're doing, and then you'll get you'll be known for it and then you'll be asked to do it. So it fits right in with you know, the sweet spot of what your family is all about.
1: Mm -hmm. Not only does it help you make choices when your family culture is well-defined, but it helps your children make choices as well, especially because we can't always be there as they get older to give them the nod or to reaffirm their choices or to encourage them to go in a certain direction.
0: So much like in a company and its employees, children do not create the family culture. However, that's not to say that they don't or shouldn't have a role in shaping the future of the family. So depending on the ages of your children, we recommend that you include them in the discussions around... Culture.
1: So when our kids were six, eight, and 10, that's when we had our first conversation about family culture. And for us, that was only because that's when we started to understand the importance of it and the power of it in a family. And so I remember very clearly, we were actually at a Chipotle restaurant. And we were having lunch with the kids. And I asked them to tell me what they thought of when they thought of Chipotle. And they immediately said good food and fresh ingredients, which I thought was pretty mature of them that they had made that observation about this particular restaurant, but it has to do with branding. That's the message that they're sending everybody. And it is the product that they follow through with. Mm -hmm. We also asked them what they thought of when we said Michael's. So Michael's is a craft store and they immediately knew that that's where they would find craft supplies. It's not where they're going to find sports equipment. It's not where they're going to find groceries. It's crafts. When they walk through that door, they know they're going to get crafts. And so at a very, very young age, thanks to marketing, advertising, and branding, they understand culture. They understand what a company is going to deliver. We furthered the conversation by asking them about friends that we know in our community, very specific families. For example, we asked them about a neighbor of ours, and they immediately talked about how she always has the best snacks. She has hot chocolate with pep- peppermint sticks and homemade snow cones in the summer. And, you know, she always loves to have us over. And so th- I don't
0: know where she gets all those gadgets from, but she does have a lot <laughs> of cool gadgets. So I'm, I'm always shocked and amazed at how she is able to pull out like the snow cone thing. That was awesome. <laughs> And it wasn't just, I mean, little bit juices. She had like five or six assortment, of juices. assortment juices that were delicious. And I'm like, wow, this re- harkened me back to childhood. Yeah. You know?
1: But yeah, like our kids, they, they were able to identify with this family and know exactly what they were going to get, what kind of experience they were going to have when they went over there. Um, We gave them another example of a family that they're friends with. And one thing that they said was that their siblings always fight, that every time they go over there, there's some kind of argument, some kind of squabble that disrupts their playtime together. And they quickly understood that there's power in being known for something. And they were able to say, even at a young age, we don't want to be known for that.
0: Yeah, no, that's powerful because think about it, you know, if you're, if you can identify that's what you don't want to be known for, mm -hmm. if you start bickering with your siblings, you're saying, wait a second, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the family known for Mm -hmm. bickering siblings. Yeah. And it really stops them in their track or makes them rethink about it and doesn't allow them to do what kids do, which is, you know, take it take it to a step where it's just going too far and Mm -hmm. it festers and go and go go forward they get the idea that that's not what we want to be known for Mm -hmm. doesn't mean they never bicker
1: oh yeah they're not perfect by any means and they still have their squabbles but i think they're a little bit more aware of how they're treating one another but also the message that they're sending to other people
0: yeah so and 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 if you have older children one of the things you can ask them is what are the favorite things about your family? It really helps for them to just have an open-ended question and be honest about the favorite parts of the family because really it's it's those favorite things that you want to reinforce and make it as a defined part of your family culture. And then you also ask them, what are the least favorite things? Those are the things that you're doing, and either consistently or somewhat consistently, consistently. That they don't actually want to be known for. They don't want to be known for it in, as a family. They don't. They don't. They don't like it. And it, and those are the things you want to you want to make sure that you're purposeful about leaving behind. It's time to become the family you are meant to be.
1: We are thrilled to announce that our online course, Build Your Best Family, is open for registration on April fifteenth.
0: We will be your companions as you decide what you want your family to be known for. Determine your core values and passions, and then translate your values into behaviors that can be taught, coached, and celebrated.
1: And then create a family manifesto.
0: The course includes access to our private Facebook page that will connect you with others taking the course. Plus, we'll be there with encouragement and additional resources and live Q and A's.
1: Go to www.thefamilycultureproject.com to pre-register. You'll be the first to be notified as soon as you're able to sign up. Plus, you'll receive a pre-registration discount. Be sure to type in the t h e familycultureproject.com forward slash the course. When you're ready to have the discussion about culture, it's important that you make time for it on purpose. Put it on your calendar. Don't just wait for it to happen. Number one, reflect on your past together. Talk about your favorite childhood memories growing up and where you spent most of your time as a child. We talked extensively about this step in episode four on your past, present, and future culture.
0: Number two is recognize the sights, sounds, and smells that represent home to you.
1: Number three, consider what others are doing and how it impacts you. When you go to their homes, what makes you feel welcome? And what can you always count on when you're with them? And this is very similar to what we mentioned that we did with our children.
0: Number four, determine what things from your past you would like to carry into the future with your family and what things you'd just like to leave behind. Again, this is something we talked about a lot in episode four.
1: Number five is ask others what they already think that you're known for.
0: Look, we all need feedback, whether you're at work, Um, you know, I constantly encourage myself, but also the people that work for me to seek feedback because you get your most honest feedback when you seek it Mm -hmm. and you seek it genuinely, meaning that they, they, they truly know that you actually want to hear what they have to say about, you know, the things that they see within you. Mm. Um, good and bad.
1: Yeah, and, and the process of asking people what they thought of me was a huge help when I was creating my bio for my blog as well because I was curious to see what other people saw in me that I didn't see in myself. And if somebody's identifying a trait within your family, especially a positive one, and it's something that you are excited that people are saying about you, then you can you can get behind it and embrace it. And Really make it a part of your everyday.
0: Well, I think this speaks very well to values and determining values because as you create your list of values and what you think you want to be known for, the values you want to be known for, this is the kind of exercise that can really just help solidify that those those are values that that do represent within your 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 um, your family already. Mm -hmm. And it's those things that you want to then pull out or that the most important that you really then with family culture want to reinforce. and and ingrain it into your decision-making, into everything about your family. And that's that's really what we're talking about.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, and you don't have to have this figured out after one conversation. Culture is definitely something that is refined over time. I mean, there's definitely core things that you're just always going to love, core values that you're always going to have, beliefs you're always going to hold. However, you might be surprised that oftentimes you fall in love with the idea of something more than actually doing it. You know, you may find that you want to embrace something like hospitality and then go, oh, gosh, I'd rather just go to someone else's house or I'd rather just go out to eat with a friend. And so it's okay for, you know, what you want to embrace to change over time.
0: Yeah, I have to, I have to pick up on what you said about that. This isn't all going to happen in one sit down. Um, but I will warn you that it, it will get contagious because once you start to sit down and frame this out and you you seek and get feedback you 're going to be thinking about this all the time you 're going to be thinking through this and you 're going to actually be eager to get back and continue to define and build and build out mm-hmm. um, and and develop you know, your family culture.
1: So just to recap, a clearly defined family culture gives children a strong sense of belonging. It promotes engagement, it creates excitement, and it provides you with the confidence you need to make good choices. If you haven't listened to the previous podcast, we highly recommend you go back and do so. It lays the groundwork for today's conversation on family culture. The questions we mentioned in this show are included in the family discussion sheet that we talked about in episode four. We'll link to that free resource in the show notes today, too.
0: Next week's episode, we'll be talking about values, what they are, why they are important, and how you can identify yours. So remember, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. If you've been enjoying the show, we'd like to ask you for a favor. Would you be willing to leave a short review in iTunes?
1: We're passionate about helping families thrive and reviews help families find us. We really appreciate your support.
0: Remember, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. To learn more about the Family Culture Project, go to thefamilycultureproject.com.